Well, thank you all for having me here today. Uh, I really appreciate uh, City Church, all that it stands for. Uh, Jesus' desire and his prayer to the Lord was, hey, I want our people to be one, as you and I are one. And uh, we have a great opportunity uh, with City Church to demonstrate that and to see God bear fruit. And it's one of the reasons why I was excited about God calling me here to the center region to serve as well. And it's a pleasure to partner with you in the City Church and to be here representing the Lord today as we all worship him. Now, this prayer series is something I'm very excited about for a number of reasons, one of which it's an organic movement that we kind of got the pulse of within Cindy Church. Uh, we were talking about different ideas and try to come alongside where, where God seems to be working, and he really seems to be moving his people to pray, both big and small. What I mean by that is big kingdom-minded prayers. People are hungry to see a movement of God transform lives across uh, their communities, across this nation, and across the world. But also, there's I see a lot of people being moved to prayer for their own spiritual growth so they can have an intimate relationship with God. So it's really, really cool, and I look forward to seeing what the Lord's going to continue to bless uh, through that as we get on our knees and see his face uh, together. So we came up with this uh, way of titling it as All Access, because we believe that's what prayer uh, gives us the experience of. It's this All Access with the Father. I'll kind of paraphrase this this. Uh, theme, if you will, that we had come up with to uh, characterize it so we can plant today's message within it. Prayer is how we experience the present reality of full access to the Father and give him all access to transform our hearts and lives. And so when God's people pray, we partner with him to powerfully enrich and advance his kingdom among us. Well, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, has opened all access to the Father by making us holy through his sacrifice on the cross and triumph through the resurrection when we believe in him in faith. Yet there is a world of difference, I believe, between having all access and experiencing it. I remember one time I was driving down the road and listening to the radio, and I said, hey, I want to go to this concert they're talking about. So I called up the the radio station, and believe it or not, I was caller number nine. Have I any any caller number nines out here? I almost didn't even know what to say, because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's me. You know, I came through. But I won these all-access backstage uh, meet-and-greet passes, and it was really awesome. And I went to the concert, and I went backstage and, and, and personally interacted and met them. I had a great, great time. Now, suppose I were to go to the radio station to pick up that all-access pass, but I bring it home, and, and I hang it on my wall, and when I have guests come over, and they say, oh, wow, cool, that's neat. But, yeah, isn't that awesome? Well, tell me about your experience. Well, I didn't actually use it, but it's pretty cool that I want it, right? They'd be like, huh? <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. And they'd be right, wouldn't it? Because that's defeating the purpose of what it was supposed to provide in the first place. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to this gift of prayer we have from our Father that gives us all access to Him. We're to experience a relationship of God working in our hearts and through our lives as we get to know Him more and partner and join Him in His work. And prayer is the most expedient gift God's given us to communicate with Him, to partner with Him. Yet I often find that, like many good things God's given us, it's so easy, instead of experiencing it, to just merely 
appreciating that the option is open to us. Here's a tool that we came up with that Jeff referred to earlier and Bill kicked off last week. It's the ACTS acronym, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. This is merely a device, a tool to help us to catch a vision and a practice of a well-balanced prayer life, of connecting well with our Father. And today we're going to, uh, to address confession. And so I'd like to start with an exercise. And it goes like this. You confess, and I'll pray, and we'll call it a day. How does that sound? Okay, where's my verse volunteer? They're like, wow, we got a brave soul over here. But they're like thinking, Bill, do not invite this guy back. Just, just, just don't. Well, you can look at this side. We'll be focusing the slide up here. Of course, we'll be talking about confessional prayer. Um, you got to love a little bit fortuitous humor that uh, technology can provide us sometimes. I guess in the the transposing or changing of the uh, the graphic for the presentation software, it changed confessional to confession al prayer. Now, I don't know who Confession Al is, but he may very well provide a good model of confessional prayer in his life. So we'll keep him in our prayers as well. Yet prayer is one of the most powerful and expedient blessings God has given us. But I often find in talking with a lot of people and saying, hey, what area of life would you like to grow spiritually? Or are you struggling with? More often than not, I find that it's prayer. And that's interesting, isn't it? The most expedient, but often the most difficult for God's saints to do. Confession, I think, is very similar. Confession is not something that we deal with easily. It's hard. We've got to get into the the deep messes of our own hearts and our own souls and bring that up to the surface and to deal with it in the light. So you add these two, prayer and confession, and we recognize that it's really easy to just pass on it, to not even go there unless we really recognize its true value, how essential it is to advancing and enriching God's relationship with us, but also his kingdom through us. Now, there are a number of reasons why I think we struggle with this. I think we are uncomfortable with confession because we may not be honest with ourselves about the extent of our brokenness, because we're ashamed of what we see inside. Sometimes it's because we we like to immediately forget about the wrong that we've done. Maybe pretend like it never happened. Keep driving on with life. We may convince ourselves that the sins are really no big deal. It's not really hurting anybody, really. It's not producing any real consequences. Perhaps we feel that since I believe in Jesus, I'm already forgiven once and for all, and so I don't need to confess anymore. We also may feel like God is angry with us, that he's not listening to me anyways, and that he he won't really forgive my sin. Yet all these are false perspectives that, while common, I believe are not coincidental, but crafted. I believe that Satan intentionally tries to deceive God's people through these false perspectives and for this following reason. That powerful grace takes place through confessional prayer. Powerful grace takes place through confessional prayer. 
Now let's define that term confession just to be clear with our terms this morning. The uh, late academic, Christian academic scholar Frank Gabelin, uh, I like the way that he uh, identifies it. He says, uh, confession is an action that links us to God's mercy. Think about that for a second. So in that way of framing it, confession is a movement to grace. There's such a negative connotation we have when we have that word confession used. Sometimes people don't even like to bring it up in a conversation. But yet, confession is a movement to grace, a stepping in to grace. But it's also an action that is expressed and addressed through prayer. Now, biblically speaking, prayer and confession are inextricably linked. And our text this morning will reveal that on the one hand, prayer is what enables us to confess to God and receive his grace. And on the other hand, confessing our sins to one another is what enables us to effectively pray for and extend his grace to each other. And the first of those texts is 1 John 1, nine. Now, these two texts that I'll introduce this morning, I'll encourage you to go visit them within their context later. We're limited on our time this morning. But it's really good when you look at the context there, it brings to life what I believe are the kind of the points of these two, the the tip of the spear, if you will, of these passages. But 1 John 1, 9, John writes, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I believe the emphasis here is on our private confession to the Lord in prayer, because in the context, it's dealing with fellowship with God. About walking in the light, in the light of truth, in the light of grace, in the light of his love with him. So the first point I want to drive home is that God is faithful. God is faithful to bless those who confess in prayer. And this blessing consists of powerful grace that does take place when we confess our sins to God. Because he is faithful to apply to us. Now, if we ever question the faithfulness of God, we have two things to draw upon. To assure us. Jesus demonstrated his faithfulness to death on a cross. And he was faithful to be raised from the dead as he promised. And defeated all things as a result. So his faithfulness is something that is certain and true. And these irreversible triumphs have secured for us the offer of grace always and for as long as we live. Now these blessings are the graces of complete forgiveness, it says. All and complete cleansing or purification. They were cleansed from all unrighteousness. And I believe that forgiveness and experience is a powerful grace that frees us from condemnation and guilt. Condemnation brings the fear of judgment for having done wrong, that will be punished for those transgressions. And that's a burden that we carry. Guilt instills a sense of shame for having violated God's moral law. And these are crushing and oppressive burdens of which God desires to set us free. And immediately, when we turn to him, 
So in terms of this, confessional prayer is a door to liberation from condemnation and guilt. And what's ironic, but also incredible about that, that it's often condemnation and guilt that keeps us in a cycle of sin. Because we feel unworthy. And we have the enemy lying to us. And we have the flesh pulling on us. And it will convince us, hey, this is who you really are. Why change? Add to that our own failures to try and change ourselves. And that only reinforces that lie if we'll believe it. But when we stand on the faith that Jesus is faithful to what he says and we confess our sins to him and trust that he will forgive us of that all and cleanse us from all unrighteousness because in his eyes, through that act of grace, we are presented spotless and holy before him and his father. And similarly with purification, it's a powerful grace that restores us to holiness. To holiness. You know what is a good exercise to reinforce your identity in Christ? Look at yourself in the mirror when you're brushing your teeth. Well, maybe not when you're brushing your teeth, because it's kind of hard to talk when you're brushing your teeth. But say, I'm holy and righteous. On the one hand, you're going to feel blasphemous when you say that. But what you're really doing is you're affirming the grace of Jesus Christ upon you. If you indeed are pursuing a relationship with him that is in the light. I confess. But claim who you are. That's what Jesus has secured for you. And there's great freedom and power within that. Because no amount of unfaithfulness on our part, when we confess that to him, can diminish God's faithfulness to us. And when we really understand this, when we really grab a hold of this truth, confession becomes a bridge rather than a burden. And a bridge that connects us to incredibly powerful grace that changes things, and most of all, ourselves. I want to share with you a picture here. This is a picture of the center of campus where I went to Bible College in East Tennessee. It's Johnson University. And if you look to the left of that picture, you can kind of see a little bit of a a willow tree, kind of branches overhanging. I think this is early spring when this picture was taken. But I would, there's a bench underneath that willow tree. And early in the morning when it kind of looked like this, before there was any activity on campus, I would go and I would sit on that bench and pour my heart out to God. And it was an intense season of me implementing this fact of confession, of really searching my heart. Some, some of the, my sins were obvious. I mean, just like running into a wall, obvious. But there were others that I needed help. And God's light seeking out. But when I found things inside that were not right and that were breaking my heart and I knew broke my father's heart, I cried out to the Lord. And it's interesting that you read from Psalm 51 this morning because it was a verse from Psalm 51 that I would often cap or begin my confessional prayer on. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Isn't that beautiful? Can't you identify with that this morning? Or any other time of the day. But through that season. Of trying to confess the junk inside. Giving it over to God and receiving his grace. Things happened inside of me. Things in my life began to change. I began to see things more clearly. I began to be kinder to myself. More gracious to myself. I had a greater strength and capacity for obedience. And what it did is it set my life on a trajectory. Of walking in grace and repentance and getting to know the heart of my Father better. Confession is such a beautiful grace when we recognize it as such. 
So I want to encourage you this morning to take a look inside. Maybe some things that you have done wrong or sin have been nagging at you for some time. And it's time to lay those burdens down at the foot of the cross. I want to encourage you to confess confidently. And what I mean by that, when we have confidence in our confession that God can forgive all things, we can be honest and hold nothing back. When we really believe that He will cleanse us from all and forgive us from all, that no matter what kind of sin we have, that if we offer all of it up to Him, He will be faithful to forgive it completely and to cleanse us from it. So one of the worst things that we can do for the grace that God wants to pour into our lives is to hold back and not fully confess. It's easy to pepper in excuses saying, Lord, I didn't mean to do this, or this is really not the kind of person that I am. Look, the Lord knows all the complexities of your heart, but he just wants to junk out, so hold nothing back. And confess that to him, confident that he will be faithful to apply his full grace to it. I also want to encourage you to confess immediately. I think one of the ways the enemy creates frustration in our lives and distances between our hearts and our minds and God's, our fathers, is by having us delay in confessing. But what happens is that is that it pulls us further into the dark rather than the light where God wants us to be. Where we chew on our shame and that fear of condemnation. And we oppress ourselves further and like a festering sore. It continues to get worse and worse and worse and bring us into a a more dark place. But, you know, there is even a blessing through that because when we come to greater periods of brokenness and desperation, we're more desperate to reach out to God. And the wonderful thing is that we always find him there when we do. But why put ourselves through that when we can just immediately confess to our father who is faithful and righteous to completely forgive us and to make us holy again and again? And again, and again. I also want to encourage you to do it regularly. A pattern of confessional prayer in your life is so important to a repentant life. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me daily. In other words, die to yourself daily and live to me. And repentance is so critical to that. So keep confessing the junk out in your life. Whatever the Holy Spirit reveals to you as you're reading God's word, as you're praying, as you're walking down the street. As you just lost your temper because your kids are going crazy or you're really upset with somebody because they may have let you down and you're starting to think some pretty nasty things about them. Whatever the Holy Spirit or you know in your mind, confess that. Get the junk out. Get the grace in. As far as what you're confessing, you know, there's these uh, two categories we often refer to sins, sins of omission and sins of commission. So in terms of sins of omission, you know, we spent a lot of time within the city church trying to drive home this culture of neighboring. So important to personally interact and show Jesus's love with those whom you've been planted among. Because God's sovereign, amen? And he has a plan in all things. And maybe you said, you know, Lord, I, I just I really let fear and a lack of uh, wanting to get out of my comfort zone and all that stuff prevent me from reaching out to my neighbors. And say, Lord, I'm going to confess that fear to you. And I'm going to ask you for your courage and strength. And I'm just going to put myself out there and trust that you're going to keep me from freaking out or having a stroke or a heart attack when they actually answer the door after I knock on it. Or if they actually start talking to me when I walk over to them while they're raking leaves and so on and so forth. 
But bring that before the Lord and say, God, I'm going to trust you to give me strength to overcome as I'm overcoming because I know that you're with me. But I can't do it by myself. I've got all these obstacles. As far as sins of, of commission, I think one of the most detrimental ones are secret sins. Secret sins are those sins that we're so ashamed of in our lives that we, we don't want anybody to know about at all. That we're afraid if somebody knew the truth about it, and if we don't even want to be honest with God about it, even though in the back of our minds we know that He knows all things, but still, we have that ruse, I just don't want to go there. And so we stay in the dark. But that's what's so detrimental about secret sins, is that it keeps us in the dark and away from the light of God's grace, and that will frustrate our relationship with Him more than anything. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Jesus has called to us to walk in the light of His freedom. So it's time to confess whatever you may be chewing on in your life that you've been holding on to for too long so you can be fully in the light of God's grace. And it's amazing because it does indeed change things. It changes who you are. Because God will work on your heart. He's faithful to do that. See, His restoration is not just a mere, I'm going to wipe you clean so you look clean. It's a substantive transformation that happens through that as we persist in those graces. That's amazing. That's the greatest miracle, I think, of the gospel, I tell people. You know, I'm so grateful that Jesus Christ has opened salvation to me, and I get to go to heaven in eternity. But you know what I'm even more grateful for? That He's changing me into a kind of person that really belongs in heaven. Isn't that amazing? The fact that He saves us is just absolutely incredible. The fact that He humbly works and does spiritual surgery on us for all of our lives to, to make us into His likeness is incredible. It not only changes who we are, but what we want. And confession is so important to this. The second point is that confessional prayer among the body of Christ brings powerful healing to its members. Confessional prayer among the body of Christ brings powerful healing to its members. And so the relational emphasis here is among the saints, God's people. And I'm going to uh, draw upon James chapter 5, verse 16. And as you're turning that, or, and it goes to it on the screen, the very first verses from 13 on to 16, James has been describing the importance the role prayer has in our lives, in the health of the body. Various different situations. And then he lands on this in verse 16. He says, Therefore, after describing the importance of prayer, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And then adds the prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So what James is describing here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that confession to one another and subsequent prayer for each other Within the body is the means through which God, one of the means through which God applies his healing grace among us, both physically as well as spiritually. And moreover, he stresses that the power, the power that God has endowed upon our prayers. Because oftentimes a lot of people will ask, they'll question the efficacy of their prayers. Does it really matter? Are my prayers making a difference? Now, our experience may frustrate that, but the word of God says yes. That anybody made, made righteous by the grace of Jesus Christ, their prayers are very powerful in its effect. So it's important to faithfully do that. 
Because he brings such great healing among his body through the confessions and prayers for each other. And we could call this corporate confessional prayer, kind of um, encapsulate it. And what I mean by that is not what I tried to put you on the hook with to begin with this morning, where everybody on the count of three blurred out your confessions. One, two, three. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about corporate as in shared among the body. And what I think is so wonderful about this, when the confession of one member is met with the intercessory prayers of another, that in a way we, we experience the power and the grace of the incarnation. Scripture affirms, particularly in Ephesians 4, but also in the Corinthian letters, that the believers of Jesus Christ comprise his body, are literal members of his body. And so think about this. When we come alongside a brother and sister and they confess to us or we confess to them and they pray for us or we pray for them. And the interaction and the exchange of grace right there, and in a way we're experiencing Jesus Christ in little incarnations. Because when we confess to another, they stand in the place of Christ to hear that confession and then thus pronounce that forgiveness that we have from God's word. And then pray for our healing. This adds a wonderful and incredible personal touch to God's grace. Many times when we see through the ministry of Jesus, we see that when he had healed somebody, he often touched them or they touched him. It's that personal touch that we need sometimes, that tangible grace that we know that it is real. And God in his great wisdom knew that. And I believe that's part of the reason why James is driving this part home here. This was God's plan for you to experience grace and healing and transformation among the body. But that's a scary prospect, isn't it? We'd be more inclined to confess to God in prayer than we would to another brother or sister in Christ. But nevertheless, here's God's command to us, his wisdom to us. And so many are walking alone in their sin, sickness. And most remain in the dark, not because they prefer it, There are some that do prefer the dark to the light. Scripture is clear about that. But I believe most believers, it's because they're ashamed. They're ashamed and they're afraid that their confession, if people knew their sins, that they would have a completely different view of them and that they wouldn't respond with grace, but rather with distance, with heaping more shame on them. So I believe that in order for the grace of God to take place within us in terms of healing among us, that we must both assume the role of confessor and intercessor. I want to share with you this picture as well. It's just coincidental that this story has to deal with the same setting. (laughs) Here's another angle of the pond, the monopteron, as they call it. Every campus has their albatross. Uh, But what we did during a spiritual formation class, one of our exercises was to go out around this pond. And there's little kind of nooks and stuff you can kind of set into that are private. And uh, the professor asked a few of us to kind of be available for confession from other people to come and share. Well, I was sitting there in the pond just kind of silently praying. And another student in the class walked up and sat next to me. And I could just see he just mustered up all the gumption that he could have. And he looked straight ahead and he just blurted out his sin and how he felt about it. And I simply put my hand on them, and I recited 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just pronounce the grace of Jesus Christ from his word over him. 
And it was amazing because I could see almost him. You could just see a weight lifted off of him when he stood up and he walked away. You know what's amazing, too, is that our class, because this happened with many other students, our class for the rest of the semester was completely different because it had been touched by grace. We weren't just a collection of students. We were a community touched by grace because of that courage to confess and to pray for one another. Now, in terms of playing the role of confessor, because we have to do both, and, and one thing that has been huge in my spiritual growth and development is, is accountability with other spiritual mentors. And there's one in which that I call and speak to regularly. And one of the practices I do is I just confess to him. I say sometimes a struggle, sometimes a fear, sometimes a worry, whatever is really in my heart, I confess that and allow him to respond to that, but also to pray for healing to come into my life. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful grace. And in terms of intercessors, about this time, roughly last year, I did a survey of our congregation. I said, okay, I want you to, I gave him a homework assignment. I said, go home and I want you to think, what are families dealing with the most as far as spiritual attacks, spiritual difficulties? Because family is something that's part of our vision that we really care about, care about strong families. And they came back with their things. And someone wrote, a couple of people wrote pornography. And so I preached like a six-week series, a pure, a pure sex sermon series. And I was grateful that somebody had the courage to say that because if we're honest, pornography is a major problem in our society and within the church. And you know what the biggest problem of it all is? Not the fact that it's a, it's a sin that we're dealing with, but it's a sin that we're not dealing with as a church, just individuals. I cannot believe God totally surpassed my expectations with the amount of grace that he brought through that sermon series. It was incredible because there were people coming out of the woodwork that finally had enough courage to come forward and to confess the sins that they were dealing with. And there's even two in particular that I have walked with and mentored with and seen substantive transformation enter into their lives as a result of that. Why are we missing on the grace? Because the enemy has convinced us that among the body of Christ, it's not a safe place to be honest about what we're struggling with. But it's the only means by which God gives us to have healing. We have to have the courage to be able to confess sins and talk about them openly and honestly in the light. And we have to have a heart and compassion enough to pray with one another, to gain healing and that grace to impact our lives. And so I want to encourage you two things here. One is to confess to others for healing. It's going to require vulnerability. Maybe you have somebody like that in your life. Good. Keep that relationship going. If you don't, find one. And have confession come into your life so you can experience liberation and healing from that. Someone you can be honest with. And then I want to encourage you also to pray with others for healing. Pray with them, too. Pray with them. Put your hand on them. Sit next to them. Look at them in their face. Talk to them. Show the grace, the love, unconditional love of Christ, and then pray to the God who can change things and who loves all and can move all. It lets people know that they're not alone in their struggles. That they are loved. That God's forgiveness is indeed limitless. And that His grace is non-exhaustive. And that their sins, yes, even their sins are forgiven when they confess to God. But you know what? we got to work to be the kind of people that someone would be comfortable confessing to. 
This is both in what we do in our own private lives with God and cleaning out the junk of our own lives so we can have light pass through us more clearly, but also putting ourselves out there and letting people know that we care and that we are a safe place to turn to. So I want to conclude with this. Prayer is an all-access pipeline to grace. And it's open 24-7 from now until heaven. It's there. The only condition for experiencing this powerful grace is the desire to receive it that is expressed through the act of confession and prayers of intercession. Now, I read on your website that your goal, your desire as a church, is that no one misses the grace of God. That's beautiful. I love your heart, and I share that. What a beautiful way of saying the gospel. But confessional prayer is essential to that goal. It's such an important part. So I'm going to ask the Lord to bless you as you each personally and together collectively seek his face and invite his grace, his powerful grace, to take place among you and to all of those that you reach for him. Father God, thank you so much. You are a wonderful Savior and Lord. God, it's that truth and love we need. We need them both, Lord. I pray that you bless this church. Father, I pray that your grace will triumph and, and hits everybody that not only walks through these doors, God, looking for you, but all those that they meet in their neighborhoods, God, in their lives. Lord, I pray that you bless them in all their efforts to get the junk out of their lives, to get to know you better, Lord, and to be lights for you. We thank you, Lord, for this great privilege. We ask that your kingdom will advance strength to strength among us. You're awesome, God. Do it, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us and being humble enough to use us. In Jesus' name, amen.